This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Coach, our adaptive sales coaching featuring five-minute quick coaching personalized to each sales rep. Learn more about Sales Fuel Coach at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Ask not what your culture can do for you. Ask yourself what you can do for your company's culture. That's just one of the things we're going to talk about today on the Manage Smarter Podcast. Welcome, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong, Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm C. Lee Smith, the President and CEO of SalesFuel. And a major component of that are the relationships that you have or you're able to have uh, with those above you and those that report to you. And I think that that makes up a big part of culture. And that's really what I'm very curious to hear about today. Dr. Randy Ross is our guest today. Hi, Dr. Ross. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having (laughs) me on the show. He's founder and CEO, but you say, because you are one of the most positive people I think we've come across, Chief Enthusiasm Officer is what you you say that stands for. That's right. Uh, Your company, Remarkable. Uh, You're a master of cultural transformation. Uh, Dr. Ross said, well, has a unique understanding of employee engagement and offers practical solutions, some of which we'll talk about today for increasing both team morale and performance. Um, He has a new book called Relationomics. Business Powered by Relationships. We're going to talk about that. And he joins us today from his microphone in Georgia. So uh, we wanted to talk about the four key principles to cultivating healthy relationships. Is that a good jumping off point? Sure. I think that's a great place to begin uh, because the book is broken down into four sections that highlight each one of those principles. So we can dive in right there if you'd like. Perfect. Go go for it. (laughs) Well, so let me back up and sort of frame the conversation by saying this, that We know that people and organizations thrive in relationally rich environments. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be common sense, but I can assure you it's not common practice. It's not, yeah. Because in a lot of organizations, um, leaders, particularly middle to upper level managers, have been promoted because either they uh, are a subject matter expert or they've been a, a tremendous individual contributor, but now they've been tasked with this responsibility for giving oversight to other people. And they don't always do that in an inspirational way. So we wrote Relationomics as an attempt to provide some very practical principles and applications that would help managers, anybody who gives oversight to others, some skill sets to cultivate environments that inspire people to bring their best to work every day. So that's kind of where we're coming from, um, building healthy environments. And so the four principles, just to lay those out, they are number one, intentionality. Uh, the second one is humility. Uh, the third is accountability. And the fourth is sustainability. And I'll just take a minute to break each one of those down. And then we can talk about it further if you like. But when it comes to intentionality, here's the reality. You're going to have a, a culture. And, and culture can be defined by the collective expression of the values, the beliefs, and the behaviors that individuals bring to any experience. A simple way to say that it's how we play in the sandbox together. That, that's culture. Uh, it's how we do life. And you're going to have a culture wherever people get together. So the question is, will that culture be by design or will it be by default? Uh, if you don't think about it, if you just let things happen, you're going to have a culture by default. And it may not be the culture that you want. Or if but you if leave you, it up to somebody else, right? 
Absolutely. And so intentionality is just this idea that you want to have a culture by design. You want to give it thoughtful reflection. You want to continually strive to make it better. You want to focus on the fundamentals and, and basically help everyone be a contributor when it comes to creating value that they can bring, not only to the organization, but to the specific team that they're on. So intentionality, how do you focus on this whole idea of culture? The second thing or second principle is humility. And uh, humility involves not only authenticity, but it also involves transparency. Um, Authenticity means being honest with yourself about yourself. And transparency is just being honest with others about yourself. But humility is absolutely vital because when we get into the political people games that many organizations um, are, are engrossed in self-protection, self-promotion, self-service, even competition to a certain degree, those all lack humility because rather than collaborating, we're competing with one another. Mm -hmm. But humility is looking out for the best interests of someone else before yourself. The third is accountability. And that just means to um, be open to not only receiving good feedback, but being able to present helpful feedback for growth and development. Um, in such a way that people can embrace that, they can absorb that, they can assimilate it. Because here's what I believe to be true. The best organizations are those that can uh, create continuous loops of open feedback. Because when we do that, and that becomes a part of the culture that we create, then those organizations can become self-correcting and self-coaching. And then lastly, the the fourth principle is sustainability. Leadership must be about something beyond self-interest greater than self-promotion, and more noble than self-service. And so sustainability is how do we help people grow to the place that they become grounded leaders and lead from the core of who they are and their value construct is right. What do you think the number one thing that destroys relationships is? Well, I think probably the number one thing that destroys relationships is a lack of focus on the intentionality of crafting a culture. I think it's this mm-hmm. whole, we, we, we make the assumption that somewhere along the line, people have matured to the point that they know how to do relationships in a healthy way. And that, frankly, just is not the case. Um, we, we say we have blind spots because those are areas in our lives where we don't understand the wake that we're leaving. There are things about our character that others see that we don't see. And unless we have people speaking truth into our world, sometimes leaders never really slow down long enough to smell their own exhaust. And that Mm -hmm. becomes problematic. I like that. Lee and I were talking before we all joined up here in the Zoom room. And one of the things we were kind of wondering out loud is uh, professional relationships, workplace relationships, and personal life relationships can you be good at one or the other or bad at both? Um, what do you s- see in general with most people? Well, I typically see uh, a very fluid flow back and forth between personal and professional. And um, those that uh, garner um, uh, the ability and, and the skill sets that are necessary to build healthy relationships, you typically see that in every area of their life. But here's what happens. We, we tend to posture and promote more in those circles where our professional, um, our professional image is important to us. And so we tend to let our hair down in those environments where we're more comfortable at home is, is the place where most people are challenged because there we're living with people who know us best. They know our 
weaknesses and they know how to punch our buttons. And so how we are able to uh, master those relationships <laughs> rather than have disaster in those relationships, the more we can learn by doing our homework, the better we'll be able to do our, our work in the marketplace. So it sounds like you're saying that it's easier to have a professional relationship than it is a personal relationship. Well, I think personal and professional, they go hand in hand. I think if we master the ability to move into people and connect at a deep level in our personal lives, we'll be able to translate that over into the business realm more effectively. Here's one of the challenges I think that a lot of leaders are faced by, that there's this, there's this nagging question in the back of their mind that goes something like this. How soon will it be until they discover that I'm not all I purport to be? <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's, that's a fear that's generated because of a lack of transparency and authenticity. And so I think the more comfortable we can feel in our own skin, um, no matter how freckled with failure it may be, the more genuine we can come across, the more deeply we can connect with other people. How do you do that if you're someone that has low self-esteem? Well, I think low self-esteem is, um, it comes about as a result of us not believing that we are making a worthwhile contribution. And so I think what happens oftentimes is when people who have low, low self-esteem, they focus on themselves and people's perception of them as opposed to what can they contribute to other people to make their world um, more, more um, energetic, help them create environments where they can thrive. The focus is on themselves rather than being on other people. When the focus of our lives is in creating value for others, then we begin to uh, elevate our self-esteem because Mm -hmm. we realize we're bringing more worth to the table. Mm -hmm. Does does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I actually believe that. Yes. Yeah. I I think, I think you're spot on there. Yeah. So self-esteem is really driven by self-worth. Self-worth is increased when we believe we're doing something significant for other people. Interesting. So let's say um, a listener has, you know, one of the four uh, principles and they want to work on instituting the other three. Because as you said, once you get four of these all firing at the same time, your culture can kind of take care of itself. And I know this is part of your consulting business. Mm-hmm. How do they implement these things? And what kind of feedback do managers give to their reports managing up, and also managing up to sort of institute these four principles? Well, that's a great question. And I'll, I'll give you just a real simple exercise maybe to begin the process. Right. Um, many leaders who may be listening to the podcast are familiar with what we call a 360 degree feedback session. Mm-hmm. Um, and 360 degree feedback is when you obviously get feedback from those above you, those below you that directly report to you and all your colleagues, your peers on your level. And then that information is taken and it's brought back to you for you to see your opportunities for growth, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's, that is an artificial way that we have institutionalized something that should come very naturally, which is us asking for feedback from other people so that we can grow and that we can develop. So here's what I call the poor man's 360. Uh, it's absolutely free. You just have to have enough courage to ask the question, but you, you sit individuals down that you highly respect that are close to you that you know will give you um, unedited feedback and you give them carte blanche to, to deliver to you whatever message needs to be li- delivered. In other words, you give them permission to give you the last 10% of the, 
Um, usually the first 70 is fluff and it's affirmation. The, the next 20% may be a little bit challenging to deliver because there are areas that you might want to consider where you could improve or there may be opportunities for growth because there are gaps in your development. But the last 10% is the hard stuff. And you want to mm-hmm. give people carte blanche to give you the hard stuff. And then you ask them this simple question. What is it like for you to be on the other side of me? Ooh, in a, in mm-hmm. other words, how, how do I impact your world? How do you see me? How do you perceive me? Help me grow. How do you experience me as I leave awake in my world? That, that's the first place to begin. But then if you want to really drive it down and get very, very granular, I encourage individuals to ask two follow-up questions. Uh, take any area of that relationship that's important to you. It could be, let's just take for a moment, Let's just say it's your spouse, okay? Um, and there are certain areas in your relationship with your spouse that are important. It could be, could be communication. It could be finances. It could be intimacy or time together or parenting. You take all those areas where you need to grow together. And then you take those one at a time and you ask your spouse this question. On a scale of one to ten, how would you rate this particular area in our lives? And let's just take parenting, for instance, if it's, a, if it's a couple. How would you rate my parenting proficiency? And I often ask my wife this very question as we're talking about certain areas, whether it's parenting or communication or whatever it may happen to be. And I'll say on a scale of 1 to 10, how well do I communicate or how well do I parent? And she'll, she'll give me her score. Now, to be candid, that score is almost always lower than I would prefer for it to be. (laughs) (laughs) That's because you're a male. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Or or she would say, I'm just brain dead. Yeah. Male brain dead. They're kind of of synonymous. Anything above a one is a success for us. That's a win. (laughs) I think it has something to do with that testosterone washing the womb that renders us completely mentally incapacitated. But, (laughs) But that's a sidebar. But, you know, I'll ask her, you know, how would you rate, our communication as of late. And I'm hoping for an eight or a nine. She gives me a six. I'm not going to debate that because in the follow-up question, that's where the real gold is. And, mm-hmm. and then I'll say this. Okay. So if you rated our communication, my communication, particularly as a six, what would it take in your mind's eye for me to move our communication from a six to a 10? Mm-hmm. And that's, that is my growth plan. She may say, well, you, you might want to consider, you know, this, 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 and this. If you do those four things, then it would greatly enhance our communication together. Well, all of a sudden, if I'm talking intentionality, that becomes my growth plan for our relationship in the area of communication or parenting or finances, whatever the case may be. And then I'll pursue those suggestions that she makes to me on how to improve it for the next 30, 60, 90 days. And we'll check back in. Hey, 90 days ago, you gave me a six. How am I doing on communication now? It's a simple exercise, but it's so profound. Now, take that outside the context of marriage, and the very same thing can take place um, with a colleague at work or a direct report or anybody else in your world for that matter. And so that simple exercise of on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate it? And then how can I move it from whatever that score happens to be to a 10? That, that's a great way to be intentional. It also provides that sense of accountability and humility that we talked about yeah. in those four major principal areas. 
And that's why you call trust a commodity because to participate fully in that exercise, the two people have to trust each other and trust Absolutely. in the feedback, right? Do you want to talk a little bit more about trust? Sure. Well, so we, we talk about cultural development. And we define a remarkable culture as a culture that has three things. It's a place where people believe the best in one another. They want the best for one another. And they expect the best from one another. And all three of those are important. And it's important in that that order because believing the best in one another speaks to trust. Your healthiest cultures are cultures where there's a high trust. it's hard to be in a relationship with someone you don't trust. I think it's impossible. Uh, I, I would agree. You, yeah. know, you can't work closely uh, with people you don't trust. Creativity and collaboration is diminished if there's not have high levels of trust. So trust is absolutely foundational. Or what I say is this, where trust is high, resistance is low. And change and progress can come quickly. But where trust is low, resistance is high. And it's Mm -hmm. very, very hard to make progress in an environment where there's low trust. So it is indeed the commodity of leadership. But the second element to that is a place where people believe the best in one another. They want the best for one another. Wanting the best for one another has to do with compassion and connection. How deeply do we know our people and do they know that we have their best interest at heart? That's the second component. And then lastly, the accountability piece which we've talked about uh, before as the third principle for, for relationomics that has to do obviously with um, uh, making sure that we expect everyone to bring their best to the table and we coach them up. We encourage them and we challenge them when necessary to not settle for anything less than their best. And all three of those don't have the word me in it. And for that matter, I don't think they have the word you in it either. I think it's all about us together, mm-hmm. we, uh, those, those types of things. I think find that fascinating. Well, you're, you're spot on and because we talk about how do we move from a me orientation to a we orientation. And, and that's the key for creating value. Sure. I think, I think you gave some, some good insight there on how to receive feedback. Uh, I'm very curious on what type of advice you would have for managers on giving feedback. Mm. Well, we spend a great deal of time in the book talking about that because in giving feedback, there are basically four kinds of coaching conversations. And just very quickly to touch on those, the, the first one is what we call a complimentary coaching conversation. It's when you catch people doing things right. You, you affirm them for a job well done. That's, that's probably by far one of the most overlooked coaching conversations that we can possibly have. But we need to, to be better leaders by being better at highlighting what people do well, as opposed to what many of us have been taught, and that's to intercept the entropy and point out the things that are wrong. Catch them doing something right. It's a good, <laughs> you know, Ken Blanchard principle from yeah. way back, right? Uh-huh. That's right. And, And so, uh, you know, that's the first, a complimentary conversation. The second kind of coaching conversation is curious. You may not have all the facts. You may not have all the details, but something's not quite right. So you ask the question, hey, I'm curious. What do you sense is taking place here? Or I'm curious. How did you see that? How would you unpack that? And it's an exploratory question. It's an exploratory conversation that helps you understand what's in the mind and the heart of someone else and gives you the chance to kind of pull the curtain back and um, be able to, to not only perceive what they see through their eyes, but also be able to coach and encourage and point them in a different direction. So the first is complimentary. The second is curious. The third is concerned. All of a sudden, things are moving along, and you begin to see a pattern. 
behavior developed that needs to be addressed. And so it's a concerned conversation. I'm concerned that if we don't address this and change this, bad things can happen. And then the fourth one is corrective. And that, that's the hard conversation. That's, that's the difficult one that's hard to deliver and needs to be done with great uh, expertise and, and a sense of, of confidence and clarity. And we spend a great deal of time talking in the book about how do you conduct a raw conversation? Uh, how do you go toe-to-toe when necessary to correct bad behavior? So those are the four coaching conversations. That's great tips. And everybody can get a free chapter of the book, right? Dr. Ross at drrandyross.com is the website. Yes, that's it. Uh, drrandyross.com. You can get a free chapter uh, on audiobook, and um, And obviously you can pick up a copy of the book wherever fine books are sold. That's right. And how would you like people to reach out to you? Your Twitter, Dr. Randy Ross, or just through any social media platform? Any social media platform is fine. They can always reach out to me through our website um, at drrandyross.com if they're interested in learning more about what we do. Fantastic. Well, uh, the tips today have been great and uh, Mm -hmm. I'm hungry for more and I hope our uh, listeners are as well. We're so lucky to get some of your time today. Well, it's an honor to be with you. Thank you for the invitation. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.